risen how awesome is it that we get to celebrate him it is especially wonderful this year we aren't in church like our normal thing so it's it's helped us to get creative outside of the box to celebrate our savior and i know that our family has really just enjoyed getting back in touch with just so many little things that we we had just not done for a long time we spent a lot of time together we spent a lot of time focusing on Jesus and what his last week was like. What were some of the thoughts that ran through his head? And the fact that he had his eye on that cross. And that's what it was all about to him. It was getting it to where he bridged that way so we could all 
be with him forever. So we're glad you're with us this morning. We got a nice clean blanket of snow. It happened while we were all practicing this morning. When we finished practicing, waiting for the service to start, we looked outside and we were like, wow. God even cleared the slate for us this morning. So we just hope that uh, you're able to really focus on him, celebrate him, and remember that he's coming back.
Father, nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we quiet ourselves in our family rooms, in our cars, in our bedroom, wherever we are, we open up our hands again in our future, in our life, in our finances, in our family, in our health. Father, you see it all. And we open it up again. And we realize again and we say it again that we are not God. And that we, again, are going to release what we're holding on to, what we're trying to control, what we're trying to fix. Who wears a mask and who doesn't wear a mask and all the things that are new in our world. Father, we release when the stimulus check comes in. We release the unemployment. Father, can you somehow give us peace in the middle of the storm? Because you rose from the dead, there is hope. There is life. There is good in what looks like bad. And so we, we have that posture again today. We're thankful. We're thankful for what we have today. thankful that he makes a way. <clears throat> Seems like there's no way. You are here moving in our midst. I worship I worship you. 
Lord Jesus, how awesome it is to think that we get to stand before you someday on that glass. Oh, it's just going to be amazing standing in the throne room with you. It's exciting, Lord, and, and I just want to bring everybody with us, Jesus. So we just pray that people around the world today will just find you. We just pray that today will be the day that after all of this trauma through all this virus that's going on, Lord, that today's the day that Easter has become real to them. Lord, be with every family in their home, sitting in their cars, on their phones, on their computers, however they're being able to watch this stream. Jesus, I pray that you will reach into their life and let them know you're real. Let them feel your presence in a way they haven't before. Just permeate those places, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll be with Pastor Tim today as he brings your word. Lord, give him a fresh anointing. Lord, I just thank you so much for dying for us. We glorify your name. Thank you for being the lamb that was sacrificed for us, Jesus. We love you. We give you this day, Lord. Take us, use us, and I just pray that you'll grow us. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we are going to have a time where you can give online to wlcchurch.com. If you need to get your offering in, you can do it that way. You can stale mail it or you can drop it off at the church today or throughout the week. And um, we just encourage you to, to keep giving so we can give back out to the community. There's a lot of people in need right now. We want to be able to give to them and, and to meet some of those needs for food, for, for just different things that are coming up just because of the circumstances we're in. So we thank you for being faithful in that. And we want to also just uh, welcome Miss McKenzie. She's going to come up and give her McKenzie moment. And she's on her way. Good morning. Happy Easter. Easter. Jesus is risen with the Life Center kids. So excited that you're joining us today. As you can see, I have my cross right here. And even though we do live in darkness where we have sin and Sometimes people feel um, fearful or worry or despair. Jesus has come to give us that light and to give us hope. And that's what this cross actually represents. And did you know that he is the light? Because in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk away in darkness, but will have the light of life. And when I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And did you know that Jesus wants you to be the light of the world too? So check out this video. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What I would like for you kids to do is for you and your family to take 15 seconds to think about the ways that you are a light in the world and ideas on how you can continue to be a light in the world.
talked about some of your ideas. I'm gonna also put some other ideas on here. As you can see, our cross shows the light of Jesus, right? So as you're thinking about your ideas, let's also maybe think of some other ideas, okay? Maybe you're helping one of your siblings with chores. Maybe you have made cookies or a card for a neighbor. Maybe you're spending time with the elderly. Maybe you're raking leaves for someone or pine cones for someone who can't get out of their house right now. Maybe you're making a phone call to your grandparents. Maybe you're writing special notes for your parents. And you're even continuing to tithe to our church. As you see, the more light that you're sharing with others, the less darkness that there's going to be and the more light that you are bringing into our world. When you shine your light in the darkness, what happens? The darkness disappears, doesn't it? That is what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross for our sins to have eternal life with him. And we get the honor and the privilege in getting to go out and share the light with others. Unfortunately, there are some people who do live in the darkness and they don't even know how to get out of the darkness. They may feel hopeless, but with us, because we have that light within us, we don't ever need to be afraid because Jesus always provides that light and we can show that light to other people. It's great to have you with us on Easter Sunday here, a different Easter than any of us have probably ever experienced in the past. Certainly different, but that doesn't mean that uh, the joy and the power of this day has been lost be just because we have to worship in a bit different way. Maybe you were around back when there was a television uh, program that was known for suspense and mystery. It was no doubt great competition for another program that had the same kind of feel to it. That other program was called uh, The Twilight Zone. But the host of the program I'm talking about was really kind of known as the, the king of suspenseful movies. He was a, a, a rotund, uh, balding uh, film director by the name of Alfred Hitchcock. Television was not his first love. Uh, he, he was... Uh, heralded in entertainment circles as the master of suspense with movies like Psycho and uh, 
rear window and dial in for murder and, of course, the birds. He had certainly earned that reputation. But in the 60s, some of his energy turned to television with the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. And I, well, I was certainly too young to watch it, and my mother wouldn't have let me watch it anyway. Besides, it terrified me, so I stayed away. But it was some years later that I became a, a fan of Hitchcock and found some of his early TV efforts. A little half-hour black-and-white um, uh, episodes that spun a yarn that was filled with unexpected twists and all kinds of psychological terror. One of the most terrifying uh, episodes to me was titled Final Escape. It was uh, about a young thug by the name of John who was sentenced to 15 years in prison for crimes committed, most of them being robberies. But John thinks he's smarter than most of the other inmates, and so he begins to look for a way to escape. And in the process, he makes friends with another inmate, an older gentleman whose name was Doc. And Doc takes care of simple medical needs among the prisoners, but he's also the guy who builds the wooden caskets and serves as the grave digger when an inmate passes away. Well, John, in the course of conversation, discovers that Doc has a granddaughter that needs a serious operation, but with little or no money to pay for it. So John hatches his plan of escape. He tells Doc, that the next time an inmate passes away, Doc is to let him, John, join the deceased in the wooden box. He'll be buried uh, with, according to the traditions and the rules of the prison, and then after everyone is gone, Doc will come back and dig him up, and John will be free. And he'll, he'll then go and collect the money that he's hidden away from his robberies, and he'll take it to the granddaughter so she can have the required surgery. Well, the day comes when news circulates among the prisoners and finally gets to John that an inmate has died. So he heads down to the morgue, and he climbs in that wooden box beside this shroud-covered corpse, and he pulls the lid shut. Now, the plan was working perfectly. John feels the, the movement as some other prisoners come, and they pick up that wooden box, and they begin to walk it out to the prison cemetery. And he feels it as it's lowered into the ground, and then he hears the dirt as it begins to be piled on top of that wooden box. And finally, everything grows silent, and he knows that they have finished burying him, and they have no doubt walked away. And so now he waits patiently for Doc to come and dig him up. But time passes, and there's no action above, and he hears nothing, and Doc doesn't arrive. No one is digging. And then in typical Hitchcock formula, John decides to strike a match and look around only to discover that the shroud has fallen from the face of the deceased prisoner and it's dark. No one is coming to rescue John. Just telling you that story 
causes my latent claustrophobia to kick in. But there's another story with a much different ending, and it's found in Luke chapter 24. And it is about an empty tomb. The grave robber on that day was not new to this task. He had already called Lazarus back from the grave over in the little village of Bethlehem. So this was the second time that he had in essence said, Oh death, where is your sting? And truthfully, he's been doing this same thing ever since. Romans chapter 6 verse 11 says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, where Paul writes, and For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. What's that mean? We're brought back from the grave. Today is the pinnacle of all celebrations for the church and for those who believe in Christ. Because He has the ability to dig you out of the deepest pit to find you at your lowest point, to give you life and liberty and joy, no matter how deep you think you're in right now. And my guess is that some of us feel buried today. You're being crushed by issues that seem overwhelming, some of those brought on by our current national crisis. And so you're dealing with issues like lack of income for the past few weeks as you've been laid off from your job. And that issue is causing you to become late on your rent. Or you're looking around you at family and friends, some who may already have contracted the disease and you're worrying about them and you can't get to the hospital to see them. Or if you have watched the news, you're overwhelmed by the fact that one after another, it's a report about how bad things are and you begin to feel this, this weight of anxiety settle down upon you. And you feel buried, deep. Let me ask you a question on this Easter Sunday morning. What would you like to do about that? What would you like to change about yourself today? What are the chains that are binding you? What is the pit that you find yourself buried in? Would you like to be free? Would you like to be released? Because if so, I've got good news for you. That's what Easter is all about. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Note that word, power. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, he writes, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe in Him. Now watch this. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Resurrection power. We have a tendency to think of resurrection as being able to live again. But the Word talks to us about something different, something majestic, something mighty, something miraculous. It is a power that comes to us that can be part of us because of the resurrection. That word power appears 57 times in the New Testament. The New Testament is a book about 
power. And Easter is the most powerful event that ever happened. Our history was split by one powerful event. It's the power to change your life and to dig you out of that hole that you're in. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know the power of the resurrection. And most of you already know that the Greek word for power is the word where we get the, 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 the word dynamite. God says, I want to give you dynamite power in your life. And Paul says, I want some of that. Give me a little bit of that. And I want you to know that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago is available to change your life right now. That's not what I say. That's what the Bible says. That that resurrection power is the power to cancel your past. You don't have to be bound by the chains of your past. You don't have to linger in that grave any longer. Your failures, your mistakes, your sins, your regrets, that shame. When I say cancel, I'm not talking about denying the past and saying it never happened. Cancel means eliminate. Have you ever been halfway through some particular project and wished you could start over? I get that way often in my garage with the woodworking tools. I'll get into the middle of something and I'll look at it and realize this is not going to work. How can I start this thing over again? You see, all, all of us, everyone has regrets because not one of us is perfect. I mean, I don't measure up to my own standards, much less God's. But some people live in this constant state of regret. And God is saying, that's not necessary. Colossians 2.14 says, He blotted out the charges proved against you, the list of His commandments which you had not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. It says, He's forgiven all our sins. And some might ask, what is sin? Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. So we know we're all in this pit, at least, or have been. But what is it? Some define sin as missing the mark. Any missing of the mark. Others, including me, say that sin is a willful transgression of the known law of God. It is something where I decide to shake my fist in his face and say, no, thank you. But the good news is that God offers complete forgiveness no matter what your definition of sin might be. And the words that describe forgiveness in the Bible are words like blot out, wipe out, washed away, cancel. It's not just forgiven, it's forgotten as if it never happened. See, Jesus knows the things you and I have done that were wrong. Someone said He didn't come to rub it in, He came to rub it out. He didn't come to condemn you, He came to change you. And Jesus Himself said in John three seventeen. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. 
And in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, we read, I will remember their sins no more. That's got to be one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. Because God, who made the world, forgets. God, with all of the power in the world, chooses to forget your wrongs, your mistakes, your failures. When you come to Him and admit them to Him and ask Him to forgive you, He cancels your past. And Easter is all about the power to cancel that past. But it's also about the power to conquer your problems. And we've all got them. It's part of life. If you don't have any problems today, you better check your pulse. But the real problem is what we do with our problems. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, yeah, you are like me. And we try to solve them in our own power or in our own strength. And we forget about this resurrection power, the power to break every chain, the power to dig us out of that hole. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Those are problems. But then it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I've met so many people who feel like their lives are out of control. And sometimes that's me. And we often say, well, I'm just a, a victim of circumstances. And I realize that I can't control all my circumstances, all of the things that I'm dealing with this day. But I can control, you can control, how we respond to them. Yeah, pastor, that sounds good, but you don't know my problems. And you don't know what I'm going through. Because what I'm going through is really, really hard. The pit is really deep. But this verse says we are more than conquerors. That means super conquerors. That means overwhelming victory. And that's the message of Easter. No matter how dark the situation, God is in the middle of it with you. No matter how deep you think the grave is that you've fallen into or that you may have dug yourself, He's the grave robber. God loves turning crucifixions into resurrections. It's the power to solve your problems. And it's the power to change your personality. That seems like a rather broad statement. What would you like to change about yourself? Well, God can do that. See, when we commit our life to Christ, that's the initial turning point. That's phase one. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a new person inside. They're not the same anymore. A new life has begun. God says, I wipe out your past. So it's like, it's like starting over. That's why the Bible calls it being born again. And born again doesn't, doesn't mean reincarnation. It just means that you get another chance. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says... Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remake you so that your whole 
attitude of mind is changed. It's so easy to get into the rut, to live life on the treadmill, the routine, the rat race. But God says, I want to take your greatest weakness and turn it into your strength. So how does God do that? Well, that's phase two. You consider Galatians 5.22. Do you remember it? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, if we live within those boundaries, there's been a lot of changes taking place within us. Because you see, these are characteristics of the person who lets the power of God work in their life. It's not something that you work up. It's not something that you get by trying to force yourself to be more loving or more joyful. It's something God does on the inside. And there's only one thing that will keep you from changing like that. I may not know you very well, but I can tell you one thing about your life. There's only one thing that, that's going to keep you from becoming the person you want to be and the person God wants you to be. And as much as you think it might be, it's not the devil. It's not Satan. It's not other people. It's certainly not God. It's not your circumstances. It's one word. And that word is procrastination. You see, most of us walk through life saying something like this. I have every intention to change. I'll do it tomorrow. It's waiting. It's delay. Good intentions don't do anyone any good. So many people are getting ready to live someday and they never really live. When are you going to stop putting it off? One of these days. I'm telling you right now that God is the grave robber. And He's ready through Jesus Christ and willing to dig you out of that tomb that you've dug yourself into. Or that circumstance that life has dropped you into. He is more than willing to get right down into that hole with you and help bring you out. And some of you might ask today, Pastor, how do I begin? Where do I, how do I get there? We begin with Romans 3.23 where it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we move to Romans 6.23 where it says, For the wages of sin, that sin that we've all committed, the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life pulling you out of that grave. And John 3, 3 says part of that process is you must be born again. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And Revelation 6.20 says, Jesus speaking, Here I am, 
standing at the door, knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And that is His invitation for people like you and me to open our heart and invite Him in. I'm guessing that there might be someone who's listening to this message today who would say, I need some of that. As Paul said, I want that resurrection power. I want that kind of life. And if that's your desire today, maybe you are still wondering, okay, I understand all of the things that you've said in those six little points of Scripture. What do I do now? It's as simple as offering a prayer. A simple prayer that says, Almighty God, I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my life and I receive Him as my Lord and my Savior. And my desire is to follow you all the days of my life. Maybe you would pray that prayer with me today. Almighty God, we bow in your presence today to give you thanks. We gathered in this particular place, about eight of us this morning, to do our very best to convey a message through music and the spoken word that would speak to people scattered across this nation and certainly across our counties. Father, a message that would, that would bring hope and a message that would invite some who have never known you to invite you into their life. And I ask today, Father, that some would pray that prayer with me today, that simple prayer, Almighty God, I ask you to forgive my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I intend to follow Him throughout my life. I pray your blessings upon your people today, Father. Scattered as we are this morning, yet there is a oneness to us as we have focused in on your word, as we have focused in on your intent. And we have been able to proclaim today that you are indeed the grave robber. And I'm praying, Father, that you would dig those out today who are struggling with issues, struggling with fear, struggling with anxiety, struggling with uncertainty, may they discover even today a new, a new awareness of your faithfulness to them. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Gaze below.